Hi there, and welcome to Feeding Up Town, a podcast brought to you by the Dykeman Farmhouse Museum. Feeding Up Town showcases the people that feed the minds, spirits, and even the stomachs of Uptown Manhattan. The culture of Uptown has been formed by generations of residents who've called Uptown their home. Over the course of this series, we speak to artists, activists, educators, and community leaders about how they feed the rich culture and community of Inwood and the surrounding neighborhoods. This season, we're exploring food and gardening in Inwood. So join us as we learn about the evolution of food and the land in Uptown Manhattan. Hey everyone, and welcome to our third and final episode of season two of Feeding Uptown. I have had so much fun chatting all about food and gardening in NYC this season, and I'm excited to announce our guest for this episode, Juan Camilo. Juan is the founder of Dykeman Beer, New York City's only Latino-owned brewing company. Juan, an uptown native, started out in the finance world, but soon discovered his love for beer when he began brewing his own at home. Since then, his passion for beer has evolved into a successful business, with Dykeman Beer being distributed at over 300 locations in New York City, including Yankee Stadium, and 25 locations in the Dominican Republic. Juan's brews have emulated the flavors of Dominican and Latino cuisine, featuring unique styles like Café con Leche Milk Stout with Café Bustelo and a passion fruit vit beer. So let's get started. You know the drill by now. We started off by asking Juan, how did he become interested in brewing beer? Oh goodness. Um, I started brewing beer as a hobby. Uh, I had a uh, three gallon kit at home, uh, which I was actually, I, I purchased uh, on a Christmas sale. And um, you know, nothing uh, too major. I mean, it actually <laughs> sat there for like six months before I uh, you know, got it out of the box and started uh, experimenting. Um, but it was kind of just out of curiosity uh, that uh, you know, I started uh, brewing beer. Um, you know, I would say I was brewing for about two years and I made uh, a few recipes before I kind of thought of it as a business and, you know, I wanted to start a brand that kind of uh, represented my neighborhood and my culture and where I'm from. Yeah, it started out as a hobby and after uh, experimenting with, uh, you know, different ingredients that are not, you know, traditional to American craft beer, that's when I thought, hey, how cool would it be to have a... Uh, uh, a locally owned Latino inspired beer company, uh, you know, uptown. So that's when Dykeman Beer was born. Juan's at home brewing eventually evolved into an extremely successful business. But how did it happen? We asked Juan if there was a turning point where he knew that starting his own brewery was what he wanted to pursue. I was actually going to go back uh, and get my MBA. Uh, so, kind of just doing school visits and, you know, really thinking about uh, going down that path kind of just got me even more excited to start my own business and kind of take uh, that road less traveled, so to speak. Uh, you know, in finance and accounting, a lot of people kind of just do that out of, um, I don't know if that's what's expected or that's just kind of the same route, but, you know, to study finance, to work in finance, then go back to school to learn finance, to just go back to another yeah. finance job. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, to me, it didn't really seem uh, that appetizing. So, uh, you know, I, I thought I had uh, something different and unique. So that's what, that was, that's one of the, the tipping points that made me really start a, my own business. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm glad you did it. Yeah. You know, a lot now of people love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, not an easy transition. Definitely 
uh, your world kind of turns upside down. Oh, yeah. uh, and it wasn't really my background or discipline. So, you know, again, definitely getting beer on a shelf or in a fridge inside a supermarket and making sure the beer gets there and, you know, all the other cycles that come with, you know, this business, uh, definitely a huge learning curve. Um, but, you know, clearly we're making it happen. So as he said, Juan started off in the world of finance, and he told us about how he used his finance skills when starting Dykeman Beer and how anyone can use their existing talents to start their own business. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, um, you know, I was able to lean against uh, that strength that I had, uh, which is, you know, finance and accounting. Uh, so, you know, I feel like no matter your background, uh, you can definitely start your own business. I always say that uh, depending on your, um, you know, on your background, that's how you're going to start a beer company. So, mm -hmm. for example, a designer will probably start designing a label and, mm -hmm. you know, that's how they start a beer company. Somebody like myself literally opens up, you know, Microsoft Excel <laughs> and I'm thinking about the numbers and that's how I started my beer company. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, for anybody that wants to start their own business, uh, you should definitely look within what you're actually doing now. I mean, you know, if you're a lawyer, then you're thinking about contracts with beer, with distributors, breweries. Um, so yeah, very different, but I was able to lean into kind of the finance aspect of beer uh, and the business world and, and business development and kind of bring those, bring those two things together. Dykeman Beer isn't a conventional brewer. Their beer showcases unique flavors that you don't usually see in beer, like passion fruit, coffee, and even chocolate. We asked Juan where he gets his inspiration for such distinctive flavor combinations and about the role his uptown heritage plays in his beer. It definitely helps when you eat everything yeah. and, uh, you know, you don't mind uh, trying new things. But I would think in regards to beer, you know, I knew that craft beer experimented with different uh, products, again, that are not traditional to like a, a light American beer, which is what everybody's familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, but I also just gravitated towards what I'm used to actually drinking and eating within my own culture. So, for example, the Hybrid Summer Ale, which is a passion fruit beer. Uh, that was inspired by literally just having, you know, a passion fruit, fizzly juice and soda uh, during the summertime. That was extremely refreshing. Uh, you know, the chocolate stout, uh, which is my winter beer, that uh, was inspired by literally just having a homemade hot chocolate uh, as well. So, you know, everything uh, that I do in regards to beers is always, it's derived from my, from my culture and my upbringing. You know, really our motto is craft beers inspired by the people, the flavor, and the culture of Uptown NYC. Uh, so again, whenever I think of a new product, really I'm leaning into that. And again, uh, my background, my experience, what I grew up eating and drinking, um, and really being inspired from that. So I would say it's pretty much everything. Uh, you know, um, it's it's really everything. That's the, how the beginning of anything starts in my beer company. How can we really uh, take root of this, um, of this culture and kind of express it through craft beer. You can find Dykeman Beer at over 300 locations throughout NYC and New York State. We asked Juan how he and his team got Dykeman Beer on so many shelves. Definitely a lot of hard work. Uh, I mean, a combination of two things. I would say myself and my sales team, um, kind of just hitting those right accounts that you know, have welcomed us with open arms, which mm -hmm. is always great. Uh, have taken a shot, uh, a shot, given us a shot at putting uh, 
our product and their shelves. Uh, and I, like I was saying before, just being persistent uh, and consistent. But it does take time. I mean, distribution is a, is a slow game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, clearly um, we're as far north as Albany. Uh, so if uh, you go to my beer finder on my website, you'll be able to see all the locations uh, you know that are nearest to you on a map. And I also mentioned we're in Yankee Stadium as well. Um, so I think that was able to happen just because you know as the brand grows, clearly if you're pitching it, you know eventually folks will start to see you, yeah. and you know slowly uh, that notoriety will grow. Uh, so kind of like one hand washes the other, you know. But definitely, it's a numbers game. Dykeman Beer is a booming business making Uptown proud. And there are big things ahead for them. We asked Juan about their new brewery location, which is coming to Uptown Manhattan soon. Right now, uh, we're kind of just working um, with folks in in the Sherman Creek area of Manhattan, uh, which is right there on 207, Mm -hmm. right across the road from, you know, from the Bronx. Uh, there's just going to be a lot of changes there in the neighborhood, so we are working diligently to have a space there. That's I'm very excited very, about. That is awesome. Yeah, it'll mm-hmm. be be right in uh, its uh, its yeah. namesake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clearly, uh, you know, uh, Uptown is actually, you know, when you look at the map of New York and especially Manhattan, I mean, Uptown is actually shrinking as it goes. Uh, yeah. The more north you go, so. You know, I've always said the neighborhood is actually shrinking, you know, with the developments coming in and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, brewery within itself is um, a very specific kind of project uh, that you actually just can't have anywhere, you know. Uh, so it's been a challenge, definitely uh, trying to find the right space. But I think, uh, you know, we're on our way. Okay, guys, so I'm going to let you in on a little secret, which you may be shocked to learn halfway through this episode. I don't drink beer. (laughs) So I had to do quite a bit of research for this episode. Um, But Juan shared a very interesting tidbit about beer when I finally revealed that I knew little to nothing about beer going into this interview. You know, I'm a sweet drink girly. I'm only 22. I definitely will make my way to beer. No, it's it's an acquired taste. You know, most people that have their first beer don't actually enjoy it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So uh, don't worry, you're alone. You're not alone. But, you know, just to give you some good news, since it is an acquired taste, you only really need two beers, believe it or not. It's been scientifically proven. So, like, when somebody tells me, hey, like, I don't really like your beer, I actually give them another one. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm like, oh, well, after this one. They don't know it, but they're actually going to love it. Wow. Well, yes. I'll have to try it again, I guess, because yeah. I only had one. So. Just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little trick of the trade. Wow. Uh, but it is an acquired taste, so I don't blame you. Well, I have high hopes now. Yeah, yeah. My mind will a, probably be changed. There's a beer for everybody out there. That's uh, so cool. That's what I say. It's a, it's a wide world of beer. That's so awesome. Just got to, you know, be curious and see uh, what works for you. So even though I was slightly confused as to how beer was made before this interview, I now know quite a lot about the process of brewing. And that's because Juan walked us through all of it. Beer, you know, it might seem intimidating, but uh, I think like anything else, once you practice and get familiar with it, it'll become second nature. Uh, But just to give you a a quick rundown of uh, how beer is made. So there's four ingredients in beer. Water, hops, malt, and yeast. Uh, those are the four traditional um, ingredients. Clearly, if you're going to add a, an adjunct 
uh, ingredient like chocolate or passion fruit that's different mm -hmm. um, but really those are the four ingredients that you need so basically you start with your water and your malt and basically the way I like to kind of conceptualize it to people you're kind of just boiling that malt for I would say anywhere from three to five hours and making like a big stew so to speak uh, what that that's actually doing um, is kind of just getting those fermentable sugars out of the malt uh, and you know making an actual liquid of that so when you actually do that you have that liquid it's called wort uh, which which is what's left and it's extremely extremely sweet so one of the um, you know one of the challenges of actually having um, of making a recipe is balancing the bitter which is the hops and the sweetness of the malt uh, so it's actually really interesting because you have two things that are very very distinct mm -hmm. uh, but you're actually bringing together to find that you know that good balance so basically after five hours of kind of boiling that and moving it around and you know you'll see the actual liquid change and take on the color of um the malt which can be clearly light yellow you know which is the traditional color we're used to seeing it could be even dark if you're doing mm -hmm. a stout beer mm -hmm. uh, that malt is actually goes through a process called melting so they take that malt and they actually burn it oh. <clears throat> yeah so you're you you have little crispy you know burnt malts and then you can do your stew and that's what brings out the dark color of a stout um for example so basically you have that you strain it now you're left with the wort uh and then what you actually want to do at that point is add your yeast um so there is a the world of yeast is really huge i mean there's over you know there's thousands of kinds of yeast um they all do different things to that wort. Some ferment the sugars faster than others. Some, um, you know, they kind of concentrate on uh, lowering the sweetness. Uh, really, you know, that's a whole world within itself. Um, but usually our yeast, for example, for the Belgian triple, we actually get it from Belgium. And that's what allows us to call the beer a Belgian triple because uh, the yeast is um, kind of the star ingredient mm -hmm. in that style of beer. Um, so, you know, you really got to chase it worldwide because uh, they, they're just that different from country to country. So you add your yeast and what that does is, again, kind of uh, eats the fermentable sugars. And uh, as it eats those fermentable sugars, it actually lets out alcohol. Um, so this process can take anywhere from eight days to as much as six weeks, depending on that style of beer. Uh, so, you know, 90% of the life of the beer is actually fermenting. Because on day one, you're kind of just doing that, you know, that liquid. Yeah. Uh, but then after that, you're adding the yeast. And again, it'll be there fermenting. So as a brewer, during that time that it's fermenting, your job is pretty much to um, manage that yeast and the alcohol. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, every day or every other day, you take some of that liquid. Uh, you put it in uh, kind of one of the tools that we have. And we're actually measuring how fast the yeast is fermenting the liquid. So, uh, you know, let's say if I want to make the beer 7% alcohol and I keep seeing that it's keep, it keeps coming in at 5%, so I would actually increase the amount of yeast mm. uh, that we would put in that wort and just watch the alcohol rise. Um, if I want to lower the actual, actual alcohol, there's a, another tool that we have to kind of, um, you know, kill off some yeast and bring that alcohol down. So what you're actually doing is uh, during this time is kind of just controlling the fermentation uh, through reading the alcohol, uh, which is extremely important. So then, you know, once it's finally fermented and, you know, you let's say on average, on average it's about 12 days each brew takes 
uh, you're happy with your wort, then at that point you're actually adding the the hops on there. So hops, um, a hop is an actual plant. Uh, it's actually rela related to cannabis, uh, which a lot of people don't know. Oh. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, if you actually examine both, they look very similar. <laughs> um, but um, what it actually is, it's a flower that's extremely bitter. Um, you know, this is a whole nother world of, uh, of ingredients that are very vast. Uh, but they have sweet hops. It's weird because they're bitter but sweet at the same time. So like super um, bitter, danky, you know, you're going to make a ugly face when you drink yeah. that. <laughs> you know, just even smelling it, you're like, ah. Um, uh, so, you know, really depending on your style of beer and how you want it to taste, uh, you're kind of picking out that hop, whether it's a sweet one, a mild one, super, super, super bitter, uh, and kind of just adding it um, to taste, yeah. so to speak. Uh, you know, usually that process takes anywhere from two to three days uh, as you're letting uh, the actual hops settle in. Uh, you're also managing uh, the bitterness. Uh, it's called an IBU, the, the International Bitterness Unit. So that's another tool that we have to bring it up or down. It measures it on a scale from zero to 140. Um, so, yeah, at that point, you're adding more hops or taking away, uh, you know, uh, more kind of diluting the beer a little bit more and then you know eventually the last part of the beer um, is actually the carbonation part of it uh, some um, some yeast actually helps in that carbonation oh. I mean there's actual yeast that like their main their main task is to bring carbonation to the beer that kind of uh, very frizzy kind of style fermentation uh, so depending on your recipe it may be good to package if you're happy with that carbonation if not, uh, a lot of breweries just kind of um, self-carbonated. Uh, I don't want to say artificially, but there is a way to kind of, you know, get the, the mm -hmm. carbonation higher to have like a, a nice foam head. Uh, so that would be the last part of making the beer. And then at that point, it would be ready to package. Wow. Yeah. That's a doozy. Yeah. It's very I mean, fun. Thanks. It's, uh, you know, definitely it can be intimidating at first. <laughs> uh, but once you kind of... Um, do it a few times uh you know like anything you can master your craft that's so cool well thank you no no thank you um but yeah clearly i don't even know that's that's beer in a nutshell wow yeah, yeah. so when you add these like additional flavors mm, yes. i'm sure that it's a different process for oh everyone. yeah so let's actually talk about that that's a great pro so you would add the flavor so it all depends the style of beer mm -hmm. right because for example, I have a coffee stout. Yeah. What we actually do, we literally take ground espresso coffee and we put it in a giant mesh bag. Literally, like, our height. Like, I mean... Oh, my God. I literally, <laughs> wow, I was like, oh, this big? Know, like, I literally purchased, like, you know, 100 pounds of uh, ground espresso wow. coffee. And we're literally there opening the cans, putting it in. And then we throw that in the big tank, you know, and just let it absorb that flavor clearly without letting out the grounds and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and that would happen during the fermentation um, as opposed to the, um, for example, the passion fruit, mm -hmm. which we use a, um, a concentrated puree made out of organic passion fruit. But we actually add that at the very end, right before carbonation, uh, really because um, we want to get the beer down right and then kind of add the flavoring slowly. Yeah. Versus like for the coffee, you kind of just want that mm -hmm. um, that wort to take on the taste of the espresso. So that's a good question because it really does depend on um, the what 
what adjunct ingredient you're going to add. Uh, it, it, depending on that ingredient, depends at what point during the uh, the brewing we add it in. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's all they're all different. Clearly, you know, like from the coffee espresso beans example that I gave you to the passion fruit puree. Wow, very cool. It must take a lot of like trial and error. For, yeah, for yeah. This, I would say it takes at least three brews to to get the recipe you want down uh, correct. Um, but yeah, I would say it's a lot of trial and error. It's a great way to describe it. I was curious. So before we wrapped up, I had to ask Juan what his favorite beer was. If I had to pick my three favorite beers that are not mine, clearly, because I would never choose between my kids. (laughs) um, I'm going to go with uh, Stella. I think that's a great beer. Uh, It's actually been around for over a thousand years. So, you know, when it comes to trial and error... (laughs) They've done a lot of trial and error, clearly. So I think they got it right. Um, Very cool. I think it's a cool-looking brand. Uh, so I would say Stella. Then I would say um, there's a beer called uh, Allagash White, which is actually really good. It's a wheat beer. It's from uh, a beer company in New Hampshire. Um, you could find it in a lot of places, but it's a solid beer. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely uh, one that got me curious about craft beer. And I would say the last beer, you know, I'm going to have to say Presidente because I am Dominican and I would say that's probably what I was exposed to the most mm-hmm. uh, actually growing up. Uh, so, yeah, those are my top three non-Dykeman beer beers. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Well, my favorite beer is obviously Dykeman beer. Um, clearly. It is clearly. As a beer connoisseur, as I mentioned earlier in the episode. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Juan is a member of our board here at the Dykeman Farmhouse Museum, and he's also at our fall festival every year, where Dykeman Beer brings delicious brews to all our festival goers. Uh, I'm on the board uh, of the farmhouse, and, uh, you know, we always try to raise money for the neighborhood every year during the the fall festival. So clearly, uh, first go to my website, Find the beer finder, see what's the closest place to you, run over there and buy some beer, and then we will see you at the beer festival, at the fall festival (laughs) this year at the Dykeman Farmhouse. We would like to thank Juan so much for joining us and teaching us all about the ins and outs of beer. Like he said, make sure to check out their beer finder on Dykeman Beer's website, where you can find the hundreds of places to pick up a case of their awesome brews. So go to dykemanbeer.nyc to explore that. This episode wraps up our second season of Feeding Up Town, so we would like to thank all of you lovely listeners for joining us on this food-filled journey the past few episodes. I've loved getting to chat with all of our awesome guests, so thank you again to Don, Aura, and Juan. This episode is being released right at the beginning of the summer, so that means we have a ton of fun events coming up at the Dykeman Farmhouse Museum. Make sure to check out our events calendar on our website, dykemanfarmhouse.org. We have everything from festivals to concerts to history events to summer camp. We have everything. We have also expanded our open hours, so stop by the museum on Broadway and 204th on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m., and on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you all again for listening. I am your host, Angela, and we at DFM look forward to seeing you at the museum. <laughs>